between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. God, that through the vehicle of the scripture and through the resources of the spirit, that this morning you will cause this table to open up again. That you will cause the things, blessed, anointed materials, truths, truths from the most holy dimension. That realm which carries and custards and keeps the love which you desire to give to us. We ask, Lord, for administration from that realm this morning. Father, we ask that you will grant every heart today the privilege of this fellowship, of this communion, that our hearts will touch your love. Lord, I'm praying that true doctrine through words, by the scripture, through the inward movement of the spirit. There will be a stirring up this morning of that fountain which all lovers of you must drink from. That water which stirs up the depths of the soul to respond to you. I ask this morning that we will bring forth clarity even by your word, Lord. These words are not as plain. Lord, it takes the help of the Spirit to search them out because of the higher, the higher complexity of the truth which you have caused to be hidden from men in plain sight but has caused to be revealed to us even by your spirit, as you have said, our eyes have not seen or ear heard, neither has he entered into the heart of any man the things which you have prepared for them that love you. Things that pertain to this love, which are hidden from plain sight. Let your spirit breathe upon them and cause sight to appear. Illumination. The understanding that will carry the seed of your love within our heart. Thank you, our God, Jesus. We, we yield to the Spirit this morning. Again, we ask, Lord, for a fresh help to yield to the Spirit. We receive the ministry of angels. Help us who carry this, who carry the ministry of the attitude of service, love from your throne. We ask that our hearts be open to them this morning to bless us. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory. I ask you use my vessel as your instrument to speak your word. I pray we will be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Good morning. You can have your seats. Thank you, Jesus. Let's appreciate the worship team. Let's thank them for helping us this morning. 
Thank you so much. Amen. You can welcome somebody. Just um, extend a smile if you can and just say you're welcome to the presence of God this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's open our Bibles to the book of John or 1 John. 1 John. <coughs> 1 John, amen. How many of us were blessed on Wednesday? You are okay. Um, we are trusting the Lord for more help. I just, I feel, of course, the same, the same emphasis that we need to, we need to open up this conversation by God's grace. Praise God. You know, it's a, it's a foreign conversation. It's not common to men. Amen. It, the conversation about loving God is not actually that common. People speak about it in a cliche, form of a cliche. Amen. I want to thank Uncle Danny for being here with us this morning. Thank you, thank you sir. You're, you're welcome in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so it's like love is something that's said more, especially when it has to do with God's love, it's said in more of a cliche kind of way, just, just love the Lord. Amen. But um, love is a, is a high commodity in the spirit. Um, like we've seen before, is the most, love is the most spiritual thing. And it, it takes a lot of um, help to, to understand and to unravel the, all the, the things, the intricacies uh, within the, the love of God, a love of God. Amen. And, and one thing we know, of course, that love is a nature, right? It's a nature that must be, um, that has to be imparted by God. And we're trusting God, the Lord will do that for us. In Jesus' name. Let us read First um, John chapter 2. Um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to read um, a little bit. There are, there are so many verses here that uh, speak to this very conversation of love. In fact, I believe the entire epistle of John, John's epistle, um, where actually they are epistles of love. <clears throat> Praise God. The, these epistles are all, they are commandments of love. The, the, John was actually imparting, he was imparting the light which he had, he had by, the, by the help of God, uh, insight into secrets and things concerning love, uh, which he addressed in two dimensions. He spoke about it from the aspect of loving God, Right? And then loving who? Loving your brethren. He called them brethren. But we see that those two things are actually the summation. You know, Jesus came and Jesus summarized it. But Jesus did not teach it. Praise God. Jesus summarized in terms of when they asked him of all the commandments, which is the greatest. And Jesus said, okay, I can summarize when it comes to commandment. Means, meaning what God commands man to do. Uh, he said, I can sum summarize it that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your word, mind, with all your strength, 
everything. And then, which is the first and the great test commandment. And he said the second is like unto the first, which is that you love who? Which is that you love your neighbor. So, of course, Jesus would not say you should love your brother um, as yourself. Why would he not say that? Because if Jesus said, love your brother, at that time, it would not it would be passing a wrong commandment. Because if you ask a Jewish man who his brother is, he will think of his younger brother and his older, or his older brother, right, in the flesh. But that was not the commandment. So Jesus said, okay, let's love whatever neighbor means to you. That, so neighbor means whoever feel, you feel is close to you, love that person. Praise God. And of course, at that time, brotherhood, that's why you, you hardly see that command towards brotherhood until the epistles, right? Because before the, that time, the, the brotherhood where this love ought to be fulfilled hadn't been formed yet. People were not born again yet at that time. So you, they couldn't, there was no family. There was no family in Christ. So there was no brotherhood in the spirit. Praise God. So they had to use neighbor. Uh, but when you come into the epistle, the, that commandment is given definition. So, so John took that commandment, or those two commandments, he, then he opened them up and began to flesh out the details that it takes, praise God, to fulfill such a thing. Praise the Lord. So let us just see a bit of John's conversation. He said, uh, so my little children, these things write I unto you from First John chapter 2. He says that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father. Praise God. Amen. Now, so this advocate is Jesus Christ the righteous. So we, we began to see last time, um, the, we saw the position of uh, the position and the situation of the ministry of advocacy. Praise God. Now, the, the position of the ministry of what? Of advocacy in the spirit. And we saw that in the present, that position is where? Can you tell me? Where's that? At the right hand. Amen. See, right hand. So, the right hand of the Father in heaven is because the heaven is a temple. We said that the heaven is a temple. It's not really just, it's not a temple for them which are in heaven. Actually, they, those who are in heaven are servants and users of the temple for the purpose of the earth. So the temple in heaven, heaven is the, heaven is the general temple to handle things that pertain to the earth. So any sin on the earth cannot be dealt with on the earth. Praise God. Sin must be dealt with in where? In heaven. So, it would, so for sin to be dealt with, um, you have to, a man has to carry sins, uh, amen, come to the earth, carry all these sins, praise God, and touch them in the sense that he didn't sin. It was without point, in all points, without what? Without sin. But he had to take on the nature, right? Not by sinning, but he had to be made it. Right, the Bible says that he knew no sin was made sin, 
so that we might be what? Made the righteousness of what? Of God in him. So he had to be made sin, and then he had to, he had to invent the solution to sin, all the wisdom, the life of sin, through his walking on the earth. Amen. So when you, want to, when you want to bring solution, you go to where the problem is to bring solution. Jesus could not have found solution to sin in heaven, right? Because sin has been, when it comes to the, the, the inheritance of sin, have been passed on from Satan onto man. Say, so, okay, now I have something to give you. When he came here, that was what he brought to Eden. To mankind, he said, okay, this thing, I've been working on this thing for a very long time. We, are very, we, are, we are, have actually perfected it now. So I've just been looking for, it's a very mighty gift. I've been looking for who to give it to. And he came to man and said, okay, you are, the, you are worthy. Go and celebrate. You've been found worthy to do what? To handle this gift. And then he passed the gift across. Praise God. And then you saw guys like Cain were happy. When... The, when it came to them because they found something that they can profit with upon the earth. How many of you know that sin is a, is a mighty? You know, you know that sin is more, is more profitable than money? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That when it comes, on the, when it comes to the earth, um, if, you, if you want to do well, when others are chasing money, chase sin. You know, people, people who, uh, amen, uh, <laughs> praise God. When, you, when you, you, get, you get a sense of what I'm saying, eh? I'm not telling you chase sin. <laughs> praise God. See, Pastor Jeff said we should say chase sin. Amen. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to show you the reality of the, of the present world. That the more sin you have, the more prosperous you will be in the present. It's a fact. You cannot fight it if you want. Argue with it. Christians like, like arguing with it. Christians feel like they are the ones that should be in control of everything on the earth. But it, it will never happen. It will never happen. There will never be a time when Christians will be the ones controlling all the world power, all the world government and all that. No, it's not, it's not going to happen. Praise God. <clears throat> when, I mean, when I say the world, I mean this present age, this present time, when the devil is still in his own position. Of course, there will be a time when there will be a reign of righteousness which will come later on um, towards the season. It will, it will happen fully in the time of the millennial reign of Christ when there will be righteousness on the earth and those nations who do not want to serve righteousness will serve righteousness by force. Right? They will, they will not be given space. Even if in their heart they regard iniquity, they will not find space on the earth. At that time. You know, Jesus, when he comes back, he's coming. It's a different thing. No? Praise God. You know, when we think of second coming of Christ, we just think about him appearing and taking us so we can escape. We always forget that millennial reign part. That there will be a season on the earth when Jesus will come the way he was before. How many of you ever wish that you, you saw Jesus when he was in Nazareth? If you were at that time, Christ, he said, what's up? <laughs> He said he would have been among the guys killing him. <laughs> and it's very possible. It's very possible, sir. It's, very, it's possible that those Roman soldiers were very nice guys and lenient compared to what we would have done. 
if we were in that, in that place. Praise God. But there will be a time when he will come. You, Jesus will be here. He will have a house, maybe. You will know where Jesus lives. Praise God. Amen. How many of you believe that? That will happen. He will be here. Not that it's a spirit something. Or you can't see him. He will be here. He, it's possible when he comes, he can eat. All right? Because after resurrection, he ate fish. He ate all those things. And they didn't see after eating fish and all, his body changed again. No, it's that same body he took. So it means the body of Jesus where he's seated right now with the Father. That body can eat fish and bread and all of that when he comes down to this place. And, and Jesus will never lose that body for eternity. He will be like that. He will be like you and I. Amen. So but what I'm saying is not at that time. In this present time, the, the way the world is designed, I mean the, the, the system. So in order, in order to make sin unprofitable in the present, you must dissolve the system of the present. If you cannot, if the, the, the system of the present can, is not dissolved, it's not possible for you to, in the present and in the natural, come into power. And I mean, I mean real power in the present without sin. Sin is the, is the, is the foil, is the energy of prosperity. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? I, I mean natural prosperity according to the systems of this world. If God wants to make a righteous man prosperous here in, the, in, the, in this world, God must do it outside of the system. Yeah. <laughs> what I mean outside of the system is that he has to, they have to bring forth leading. It's different from how men are led. Your feet must pass. You must find different way of walking which will bring a higher prosperity. But if you say, let's leave God out of the question. Let's just use the natural. You know what I mean? To progress. The only commodity you can use is sin. How many of you believe what I said? Does it offend anybody? No? Amen. Amen. So, so if there's any ambition in you to do something outside the leading of the spirit, what you are saying is that you actually have an ambition to prosper in sin. And there are, there are guys in the spirit, in evil spirits, who their job is to train souls how to prosper. From little things, you begin, you master. After this level, you move to the next level. Amen. Praise God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. So, um, so sin had to be dealt with here in this present. When Jesus Christ came, Jesus Christ came, he took on that sin. He was made sin so that he can then become what? The, the righteousness of God. Now, that righteousness is righteousness in his blood, which is an archive of the, his work, an archive of his wisdom, everything in him that came against sin and overcame sin. All of those things were in his blood. And then he took that blood to where? The temple. Do you get what I'm saying? So he has, to, he has to take that blood to the temple, which is the temple where all the sins of men 
And when you get there, you also see men's sins are recorded in that place. Because any man who sins on the earth is sinning against heaven. The, the, the place you are sinning against is not just the earth because the, where they put the hierarchy of the authority, right, from where the archive, what I mean is the archive of the pattern in God's heart for how creation ought to be is kept in heaven. How many of you believe what I'm saying? Okay, don't worry, we'll understand more. When, when Moses, when God went to give law to Israel for preservation, God had to bring it from heaven. The old tabernacle on the earth, all the temples, the one of Solomon and all that were built, were all according to the actual temple, which was in heaven, right? And he said that those things were a type and a shadow. They were a copy of the actual present heaven. So the things that they were doing in the temple on the earth were a type of the kind of the actual things that they do in heaven. Praise God. Now, so this heaven, when it comes to, when you say heaven, the idea of heaven, there's so much that involved that is in that idea called heaven. Right, but in the heavens of the present creation, there's a particular ministry that they put in that heaven that is not necessarily a component of the eternal prototype of heaven, which is the ministry of the remissions of sins. I get to what I'm trying to say. Because in the actual prototype of heaven, from where the new heaven will come from, when you check that new heaven prototype, you won't see that kind of ministry in the new heaven. How many of you believe what I'm trying to say? That this present heaven is, it has a special ministry in the present heaven that is not necessarily for the, the full, it doesn't contain the full meaning of what the heaven is all about, right? We will not really know what heaven is really for until we see the emergence of the new heaven. Actually, the main purpose of heaven is to carry, heaven is supposed to be a place to keep the, to keep the eternal city and the eternal dwelling of God. The eternal city and what? The eternal dwelling of God. That's really, that's the real purpose of heaven. And so that real purpose of heaven will emerge when the new heaven comes on, comes, comes, praise God. But in the present heaven, God had to give, God had to put a provisional ministry in the, how many of us are hearing what I'm saying? Is this interesting to you? Okay, amen. So in the present heaven, God had to put a provisional ministry, which is God knew that these men can sin. How did God, can you guys tell me how did God know that men can sin? Do you know God also knew angels can sin? He wasn't surprised. After when Lucifer came and said, I will, I will, God was looking at him, no, I know. You have, it's not surprising to me. Can you tell me why? It's because of the fabric of the, of the present. The, the nature 
is made with his hands. So because of that, God did not put that, you see, the, the, the quality, even though it has everlasting and eternal property, but it doesn't have the property of his eternal life. God did not build that property into the creatures of the present in terms of the state in which they were made. Because that thing, God has said that there's only one way that I will give creatures this thing, that it must come as a reward. So, so there is no creature that God made, that God just, in the day he was made, that God rewarded and just put his eternal life in them. God did not do that. God said that my eternal life is something, it's with me, is what he calls my reward, is with me. But first, my works are before me. Amen. Amen. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, you see, his reward is with him. Say with me. With me. My reward is with me in Revelation 22. He said, I will give to every man this reward according as his work shall be. According as his work shall be. So, my reward is with me. But I will, when I'm coming, I will then give to every man that reward according to what as his work shall be. So, if you ask me, what is the purpose of the present? The, the present has one purpose it's for works. Works. Then after men have walked, because everybody is walking. Some are walking iniquity. Some are walking righteousness. Any soul that said, I'm not walking, you are lying. You just don't know. You are walking. And your walk is, is being counted in the spirit. Praise God. So then when it comes, it will now give reward according to how the word, the works shall be. So the present is a place for Walks. Then, after men have walked and walked, when it's time to roll away the present, they now begin to check the works. It's, it's by works that were done in the present that they begin to now distribute reward in, later. Are you getting me now? The new heaven and the new earth is the creation of reward. The present is the creation for works. Praise God. Does that make sense to you? So it's very clear that it's in the season of reward that you will actually know things will begin to show their true nature. I mean, they begin to show what is their eternal purpose. Right? Because you, you walked to attain it. Then after you attain it, it's time to use it. Does that make sense to you? Praise the Lord. Amen. So in the present, there is a ministry. At the word, at the right hand. Now, this verse is saying that if any man sin, we have an advocate. So this advocate is with the Father, right? And he's with the Father where? In the present heaven. Right? That's where, so that place of called the right hand is actually the realm with the Father. Is the place that is with the Father. It's the place of the word, of the right hand. And at that position of the right hand 
is also a position of advocacy where someone can speak on behalf of another, which is the place where Jesus Christ has taken. And verse 2, let's go on. It says, and he is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the what? Of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Amen. Now, he said the way we'll know that we know him is if we do what? Keep. Now, there's a reason why he's saying that. Verse 4. says that he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the word, love of God perfected, and hereby know we that we are where. Hereby know we that we are in him. So how do we know we are in him? By keeping his word. Praise God. So verse 5, who keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. And hereby know we that we are in him. And he that said he abideth in him, then also ought him ought himself also to walk, even as he did what? And brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. And again, a new commandment I write unto you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now do what? Shine it. And he that said he is in the light and hated his brother is in darkness even until what? Now. And he that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there is none occasion of what? Stumbling in him. But he that hated his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that what darkness has done what has has blinded his eyes. Amen. I want us to see something here. Um, look at if you look at verse seven and verse eight. In verse seven, he said, "I write no new commandments unto you, but an old commandment, which ye had from the beginning." Then in verse eight, he says. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light doth what? Now, now you're seeing him saying, it's like he's saying this something, then he said this some, the opposite the next, in the next verse. He said, if the commandment I give to you is actually an old commandment. It's not a new one. But then the next verse, I say, okay, again, a new commandment I'm actually giving to you. But the reason why the, this commandment is new is because something has passed over you, passed away from you. What has passed is what? Darkness. Dark. So, it's very, so it's clear that the perception of or the receiving of commandment is tied to the light present. The, the light, what? The light present. So 
It means that this commandment was given to you before, but when it came to you, it first came to you when you were in darkness. Are you seeing that? So what John is just trying to show to them is that what I'm trying to tell you, this matter of my conversation is not, maybe you're waiting for my, my mighty revelation. It's actually mighty. But when I speak it, you see something that you've actually heard before. But it's something that you, is old to you, but it's actually not old. It's because you don't even know anything about it. So for many of us, for the most, most of humanity has received the commandment of love in darkness. Now, it's hard to find anybody, if you ask them, even just go to the street, ask an unbeliever, what is the highest ideal? They will tell you most likely love. Most people, apart from the crazy ones, amen. But even the ones that say something else, is actually, they are just lying to you. You know, some guys, every, every moment to them is a moment of protest. And it's a time to shine about how, how different they are. So you say, what's the greatest ideal? No, or the greatest ideal is you can say something opposite. <laughs> but it's a lie. Every man, every man knows that. Every man knows that. That thing, you see, even the reggae musician, one love. <laughs> one, they have their own. <laughs> Amen. Say Mali. You know who Mali is? <laughs> Uncle Mali had revelation of love while he was, he was the revelation came. He, oh, just listen to his lyrics. All he's just trying to, his songs are very simple. All he was just trying to say to everybody is, look, <laughs> praise God. You guys are all busy about nothing. All these problems of the world just love each other. That was what Bob Marley was saying. And he got that revelation from his pipe, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what he was trying? So he's just saying, some of you guys, all the presidents, all the rulers, you guys go to school, you get PhD, you get everything. Yet you can still steal money from a poor man and everything. You guys are crazy. Well, I'm, just, I'm just here, just this little thing I'm doing here. I, I've solved the problem of the whole world. Amen. So, so that will tell you this, this thing, this revelation, is not a very high revelation. It's something that you can, if you tell the most basic human being, they can identify, ah, that, okay, that makes sense. Ah, okay. Hmm. Wow, that's profound. They, get, they won't fight you. So, but John is saying that, you see, this thing called love is actually, ah, it's a deeper subject. That to actually understand love, you must, the a soul must have ventured into a season of light. It takes, it takes light. Praise God. And, and, and the way I see it, I see that when you say light, you know light I, I at various intensities. The, the light that will shine, amen, the light that can illuminate love, the way it's sitting in God's heart, not the way men think about it. You know, some guys think about it. The way some guys interpret love is that let's take the money of all the rich people and give it to the poor people. That once they do that, the love has been fulfilled. <laughs> but that is not. 
That is low. That's not love. But we're talking about love, how it sits in God. When say God is love. God is love. Amen. So you see, love, uh, praise God. I'm excited this morning. The, thank you, Jesus. You see, love, uh, love and light are inseparable. Do you know that? Love and light are what? Inseparable. And you see, those two subjects, to me, those are the teachings of John in his epistle. To, to shed, to bring insight into light and then bring insight into love. John's conversation was merging those two things. Now, you need a spiritual sense to connect light and love. But one is necessary for the other. You see, those two things, they are two key things that they define God as. God is love. God is light. So, those are two words that you don't need to qualify them. You can attribute them to God. That God is light. God is not a light. God is light. God is light. And God is what? Love. Two things. So if you want to learn God, learn light and learn love. Am I making some sense to you? I don't know. Praise God. So, Let's read it again. It says, verse 7, it says that, um, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning, right? You, you actually had it from the beginning, but it wasn't really, it wasn't opened up. Since the old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. It's, a, it's actually a beginning word. That there is no time when you trace man to, you won't find that word hanging over him in one form or the other. When Adam woke up, he found it inside him. In fact, one of the first, one of the first tasks that they gave him, praise the Lord, immediately got out to find somebody where he can love, first of all. Right? When he put him to sleep and brought out his wife, right? And he brought out his wife, and of course, it's very clear that the commandment to a husband is love your wife. So the first thing God gave to Adam was a love partner. Amen. Love and what? It was a love partner. A wife is a love partner and a light partner. Those two things. Those are actually, that's who a wife or a husband is to each other. You are love partners and you are what? So those are the two realms you sojourn in. You join in. So, to, to the journey of a couple is to journey in love and in light. To journey in love and in what? And in light. So, so the man, the husband to the woman, there are actually two main commandments to the husband and the, towards his wife is to, to shed love and light upon her. In, if you read Ephesians and ch- check it, right, say, husband, love your wife, Christ, love the church. How did he demonstrate his, his, the love? He sanctified her and washed her with washing of water by the word. So, what if, of course, the word is the instrument of the giving of light. Because it's, it's entrance of word giveth light. And understanding is to bring entrance of light. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying? So, this word is the same way he's using it here. That you see, this commandment is the word which you had from the beginning. So word is, like, is the 
is the vehicle of instrument in, in, of enlightenment. Amen. Is the is the is what you use to impart enlightenment to a person. So, so Adam's from the beginning. So it's very clear that when God raised Eve, now you won't see maybe where God wrote it explicitly in, the, in Genesis. Okay, now Adam, I know you are there's some rule, an unruly tendency about you, but now let me command you right now that the reason why I give you this woman is so you can love her and shed her and cover her with light. God didn't need to do that. Uh, why? You you don't see you don't see uh, prostenesia. Christus ochreste parana afletus, kriftena oste, fatarana apristuskoin, shidanoia, a shadai, a shedite, a shadle, shedlight, shedlight, emeno costion to a prestioti sister, 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 then a hymen light, hymen light, efeno to pressed, press you into, into, efenentus to press you into. Even into this light, for Nekaile Shaw to open, often an open this light, a press to open this light, have an order for to make you see this light. So, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Right, in that breath contains all the code. 
So when it speaks about this world which was with you from the beginning, beginning means that there wasn't a time when you saw a breathing man who did not have that instruction concerning love in the inside of him. So God, you didn't see the book of Genesis wasn't a book of many instructions to Adam. No. The main instruction, the only instruction God gave Adam were instruction that pertained to things above his life level, which is the thing that pertained to those two strange trees, those trees that are in the garden. Praise God. Because if you leave him to those trees, his, the life inside of Adam cannot really, really fully comprehend the trees. Because those trees are higher, were higher than his life. And, and everything, and God knew that if this man doesn't fall by this tree, he will never fall. So God said that this tree is, in this present, see, Adam was not, a, was not like a carnal, witless man like most people on the earth. What can make a man fall today? $50 can make a man fall. Anything, the most silly, natural thing, mundane things. Man, man can fall. Man can put. You saw after sin began to deal with man, you began to see different natures began to emerge. At some point, one man sold his old bed right for one, one plate of food. That's where you, you saw vanity began to emerge, right? But man wasn't like that before. God wasn't afraid that Adam will love maybe trees or something more than him. Because everything that was, in the, that was physical, those physical things on the earth, Adam had, he was put at a high place concerning them. There was no tiny, tiny temptation in the natural things that was a threat to the life. These days, God, when God wants to bless us, he has to, he has to check how they do it. Because in heaven, they know. They know, they know what amount of blessing to give you they will never see you again. You might be lost forever. And as long as you haven't gotten to full salvation, each of you, you have a price. And, you, and you, know, you know the thing is, not only God, and this is the scary part, not only God knows that price. If that price was just one secret, maybe inside God's heart, and then nobody should see it. A, but Satan also knows the price. When Satan sees a man, he can tell. He, can, he knows what he knows what where to what transaction to bring to the soul to follow you, because they can weigh men, they weigh men based on attachment, their loves, what are inside of them, the amount of hollow inside of you tells what what weight of vanity they need to bring to you to move you out of the way. So that's why God can't just leave you for the devil. <laughs> if God just leaves you for the devil, that's it. He's not, a small, he's not a small boy. See, the reason why we've not been consumed, that's how Jeremiah came, he got that revelation. Kai. He said, these are recalled to my mind. Therefore, I, hope, I have hoped that it's because of your mercies that we are not con- consumed. It's because of your mercy that we are not consumed. 
So what that means is that no, God did not abandon any man to the devil. God is involved. He said that he will not let you be tempted above what? Because there's somebody whose goal is to bring more upon you than you can bear. So that's why we shouldn't be proud, right? That's why there's no time when you feel out with all this spirituality thing, this God thing. You know, we, we got this thing, we understand it. You know, um, We just need to be praying so the rest of the world can come into it. This, come into this thing that we have. This God, our possession. Once you relax like that, just a little folding of the hands. Uh, you know, we always quote that scripture for money. But it's not money. They wrote it there for. Praise God. You, know, you see a soul, look at it. He has forgotten God since. So. The last time he had quality prayer and fellowship, a long time ago. I said, no, you're diligent in your work, in your business, a little folding of the hand, social poverty come. But you've forgotten your maker. Those are actually, those things that, those wisdoms are actually wisdoms for the soul. It means just a little sleep. A little slumber, a little folding of the hands, so will poverty, what? What is that poverty? It's called the poverty of God, which is the, the worst wretchedness that a man can suffer when a man is poor concerning God. Amen. So, you see, my point to you is, we're talking about um, Adam's frame. That in Adam, there was, also, there was already that record in, inside him. God can never bring a wife to him. if he, he's, it's not, That's not God's order. To bring an unequipped man. To, is a wife to an what? Unequipped man. No, God didn't do that. It means the laws for those things that Paul began to unveil and elucidate upon in the New Testament. It means Adam knew the law that... This woman, I'm supposed to love her, and I'm supposed to be washing her with the water by the word. Amen. So, so this commandment has been there the whole time. <clears throat> but he said, let's see, in verse that first uh, John chapter two, um, he said the verse seven, the last part of verse seven. He said that the old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. And again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in, in what? In you. Why? So it is true in him. It's always been true in him, right? But now we cannot find it also true in you. But the reason why this commandment is true in you is because the darkness is past. And the true light now. So this true light is talking about not shining everywhere. John was talking about now in you. When we check your own heart. You know, the guys who he was writing his epistles to were people who have journeyed very, very far. So he, he can bring a specific subject. This subject is a very specific subject to people who have journeyed far. Now one thing is very clear. Somebody who has not, who has not passed through the school of faith, you cannot teach them love. You can't teach. You can try, but you cannot teach love without what? Faith. 
You cannot teach love without faith. Faith is a preliminary school that you must go through before you can begin a conversation of love. So the people who John was writing to were actually graduates, graduates sorry, of the faith of the Son of God. So they can begin to learn the love of the Son. Amen. So this commandment is that this thing is true in him. And it is true in where? It is true in him and it is true in you. Now, when it says true in you, that word doesn't mean you have it. It's not saying that you have it now. Because if you already have it, there's no need to start commanding it to you. But what it's saying is that it's true in you means that you are in a place where such a commandment can register as truth. Now, the way John talks about love, you can't go and take this thing to the United Nations and teach love the way John is teaching it. Now, if you went to the United Nations and said, okay, we, are, we want to have a vision, is to bring a, a fresh dispensation of love over humanity, all the nations of the earth. I say, okay, we are listening to you. Tell us how will you do it. And then you say, okay, well, first of all, no child should go to bed hungry. That's the first thing. No child should go to bed hungry. In any village, anywhere, regardless of their parents' income level, and then this is how we are going to do it. You bring the strategy. Second of all, we're going to we're going to bring equality of outcome to every place on the earth. So it doesn't matter who you are born, where your family is born, whether, you, know, you have the same access to education, the same access to free water, the same access to everything, healthcare. Are you getting what I'm saying now? When you are saying that, they will begin to do what? Earth begins to move. You know those guys, those guys who wear suits, you know, to make their head move. You, know, you can't say just say anything. <laughs> Imagine what, what kind of an organization is that? So I, I used to wonder. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm tangenting. It's just my mind. Can I indulge my? Now, how can you raise an organization, United Nations? What makes you feel nations should be united or can be united? You're, you're so naive. You don't know anything about. What makes nations, nations? If they could unite, they would have united since. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But it's good that they are trying. Because when you come, after all the talk and everything they said, each man will still do everything in his own interest as he sees it. So you see this kind of talk about lie, this kind of conversion of love, that John is teaching. John is not teaching those kind of things. What appears to the natural man as loving. When you tell the natural man, love your wife, he says, I've heard you. What's that? Okay, I'll give her money when she asks. I tell her she looks nice once in a while. I don't argue too much when she... Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, if what an unbeliever sees as loving his wife is what you as a Christian sees as loving. Um, Jesus should not have died. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? 
Jesus should not have died. There's no, need. There's no need for the Son of God to come and shed his blood for that. The reason why he came to do that is for to, to, bring, to make darkness pass. Darkness. To remove darkness. Darkness means darkness. Let me say, what is darkness? Darkness is the light that men use to live. When you see a man who has darkness, he, it's not that he doesn't have a light. Every man has a light. But it's just when you are living not by, there's a specific light. So this revelation is to open up, give insight into the kind of light that man ought to be using to live. Amen. Do you know why you need that light? Why do you need that light? It's because all of the inheritance which God has prepared for his children to come into are all inheritances in light. They are inside light. That If you say, okay, Jesus, I like you, I love you, I will serve you, I will sing to you, I will give to you. But you say, okay, this thing called your light, I'm not too ready for it. Then it means that pertaining to you, Pertaining to you, Jesus died in vain. You say, oh, what, do you, oh, what do you mean, but I'm going to heaven and all that? No, there are people who didn't receive Jesus who are in heaven. Which day did Abraham, the Lord Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Lord Jesus, I come into my heart. Did Abraham pray that prayer? of Elijah, who roared. He just carried him to heaven. Chariot of fire just came down and took him there. <laughs> Let's expand our mind a little. You know what I'm talking about? We've misunderstood everything about what Jesus died for. Jesus did not need to come and die so that he may be Oh, thank you. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. Say inheritance. That place is Ephesians chapter 1. Let's read it. Well, he said he has made us meet. That's what he came for. Shamanas to preface. Thank you, Father. Karaban Supriano offering Amashosh to Praharos, Kihadata. Thank you, Jesus. I want to read Ephesians 1 quickly. Um, then I will go to Colossians before Ephesians. Amen. Now, in Ephesians 1, he said, The Versamaharas to previous, so Kai Helashiabrado, Creon, Christus, to Crimenata Kailos. Thank you, Jesus. I'll read from, I'll read from verse 1, um, okay? There's no time. Just read it well and capture the, the thought here. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him were, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. To who? To himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Are you seeing what I'm seeing here? So the, you, you need to understand, check how Paul, the epistle, how they wrote, how they wrote concerning the purpose of Christian life. You will discover that we have changed it around completely. We've changed it around completely. The whole idea of what is the purpose of it? To make heaven. No, 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 no. Where is it in the Bible? You never see that. Every time they are speaking about predestination, your destination, purpose, will, you won't see that anywhere around that place. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? The first thing we saw here is so that first thing you shall be holy without blame, not in go to heaven before him. Before him. Forget about the place where you will be. Just before him in love. Now that love before him in love is not saying that you now you go to a point where you could love a little. No, no, no. He's talking about the purpose is you should arrive at the point where the the love before him, according to that love, you are holy and you are what? Blameless. So, not in terms of how your brother sees you. Your brother can mark your card and say, well, what a holy person. But what they are saying is that when you are before him, when he is the one seeing, does he see that same thing? Can he see a holy and a blameless fellow? Are you getting what I'm trying to say? God. Okay. Kalamanas Pana Katavinoshta Pratevisa Pala Dadoshta 
According to the judgment of his God, so you look for your validation from above. You look from your validation from above, for you walk before him whom you have to do. You walk before him whom you have to do, for his works are with him. You do his works that would make you separate from sinners. You do his works that will make you undefiled. You do his works that will make you harmless, and you do his work that will make you holy. For all that I, Jesus, came for was to make you Christ, to make you separate and raise higher than the world and to become make you become make you become make you become like i am make you become like i am make you become like i am that you can stand before the father and the father can look upon you that the father set his gaze on you that the father can set his gaze on you you walk before him whom you have to do you walk before him whom you have to do for he sees you he can see you you are naked before him you are bare before him it is him you walk onto it is him you walk onto for even the heavens that you want to go to will be rolled away and folded away but you will be made higher than the heavens just like he was made higher than the heavens i will want to make you higher than the heavens just like the high priest was made higher than the heaven for it is a working it is a working it is a working it is a working of my life 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 for he who is holy for he who is holy is he who has been made higher than the heavens he who has made higher than the heavens he who i can look unto he who looks up to me and his gaze is set on me his gaze and his affections are set on me his gaze and his affection are set on me who was made for you who was made for you who my blood was poured for you that you look up to me that you look up to me that you look up to me says lord jesus amen praise god thank you father amen so without blame before him in what so he's saying that the the place where men stand blameless before God is in, in his love, in the place of his love. So what that means is that the love, when the, when the love of God begins to be unveiled, that it's in that unveiling that the standard for blamelessness before him comes. So until the darkness is past, the true light shines, right? When the true light is shining, there that creates the opportunity for the hearing of the new commandment, which is another commandment, which can only comfort in that old, that terrain of light. Amen. Where, and in that realm is where God speaks concerning his loves. And it is what he says about his love that will translate into blamelessness before him. 
Praise God. Now, let's read on because of time. It says that having, verse 5, so the reason why you need to do this is he has predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of what? So, what I was saying before is that when every time they speak about your predestination, about the purpose for which you were called and all of that thing, it has to do with him. Him. It has to do with him. It's always something that has to do what? That has to do it with him. His own. Romans chapter 8, he has been predestinated us to be conformed into the same image, into the image of his son. That was the reason why we are predestinated, to be conformed into what? The image. So here, he says we are predestinated unto the adoption of children by what? By Jesus Christ unto himself, according to the what? Good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us where? Accepted where? Now, say accepted. In the beloved. Praise God. Say accepted. Where? Now, that, that, this thing called the beloved is a realm. Say, so where is that? What is that thing called beloved? What does it mean to be accepted in the beloved? The the beloved is a realm of, is a company, is a realm of fellowship. It's actually a, is a place, you know, I was saying before how the scripture is the one who divides men according to their order. When we don't open scripture, all men look the same, right? Because every, every, every Christian can, praising the Lord always, you can clap, you can sing and dance and give offering. So there's nothing to differentiate man from man, person from person, until you begin to, that's why some people don't like opening it. Because they like everybody to look the same. So, some people don't have, they have an, they don't have, they have a wrong, an adversarial attitude to anything that wants to make darkness pass away. They don't like it. Because when darkness passes, nakedness of men begins to show. He said, men who guys celebrate, hey, that's the boy who, the, that's the happening boy in town. Amen. Is that how guys shout the name of that guy? Once darkness starts passing, shout begins to what happen? To reduce. After a while, guys no longer see the happening guy as happening anymore. Why? Because light has happened. Because every man that's celebrating you, they even begin to see their own. We're all in trouble. What's going on here? There's a standard here. So if you are, if, so anybody who feels like maybe God has called you to unveil his standard to men, just be ready. Because men hate his standard. And not just those who want to preach the standard, those who want to leave it. Because I found that even just, let's say, when you say I want to leave it on my own, I, I don't have problem with you. Stay in your side, let me stay in my side. I just want to leave it. Your own leaving it is a problem. Why? Because why are you living what others are not living? Why, why must you be different? Why can't you be like everybody else? 
Praise the Lord. That's something. There's a contention for light. Is that there are people who have profited with sin and with darkness. When light comes, light wipes away the profit of sin. What was the profit of sin? Name, status, fame, glories. All the things that men wear on themselves. When the dispensation of light begins to come, you begin to naked men. And men don't want to be naked because they've won glories of vanity. So it's very clear. But one thing we know is that whether you like it or not, this thing is going to happen. Light is going to shine. I love it how Paul calls it. He calls it the dispensation of the fullness of the times. That there, will be, there, will be, there will come a dispensation of the fullness of the time when at that time he will begin to gather in one all things in heaven and on earth. The time of gathering, the gathering of resources, means that everything that God has designed to put into men, God will begin to find a way to get it into men. There will be a time on the earth where men will be willing to go to strange places to find the truth. The, the distance men can run to get the truth. Men will become crazy about the truth. Thank you. Farastia Abradoske. I hear the Lord say that these things shall be so. That they, yeah, they shall come to pass. They shall all come to pass. They shall all come to pass. Because it's, a, it's according to the working of my great power. And that same power shall be at work. Even at it's beginning to be at work, even in these times. Amen. But for you, this time which you perceive a little, this age of which you are having a foretaste, will have its fullness. Amen. And its fullness shall come. And when its fullness comes, all men shall see. All men shall know. But there will be those who will say, God, let's hide. Hide us. Hide us from the face of him. Hide us from his face. Hide us from his sight. They will see caves and mountains and places to hide themselves. But here, no, no, no. There shall be no hiding place. For here, every mountain shall be brought low. And even every valley shall be made level. All the crooked paths shall be straightened. For here, highways will appear upon the earth. Ways and even highways of holiness. Highways that will take men up and lead men even even to their God. For here, the conversation will change upon the earth. We'll come into a season where, where men will know their God. People will know their God. And men will love their God. So shall it be. So shall it be. And so shall it be unto you. See the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for help today. 
We give you glory. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 7, it says, praise God. Verse 8, sorry, verse 6. Verse 6 says, to the praise of the glory. Ah, I love that. So there will be a time when his, his grace will have a praise that is glorious. That is, so there, there is a, right now, do you know right now, grace of God is not yet glorious upon the earth. Now, of course, it is glorious inherently. Right? So when they say praise, should, that we should be to the praise of his glory. We should be to the praise of his glory. They mentioned that almost twice or three times in this chapter. But, so it's, but it's talking about the praise of the glory of his grace. Now, you have to say, what does it mean? Why should you praise glory? It's because glory that, glory that when you say the praise of glory emerges is when the glory is seen. It's not every glory that is seen. It's according to the pattern, the spiritual pattern, which you see even in the tabernacle. Right? When the glory descended, you know that glory upon the mountain? It, the glory wasn't really, really seen by men in the mountain of Sinai. God did it that way. God wanted his glory to come down, which was in the mountain. But God said, okay, we have to shroud this glory in many things, that not any soul. So it means that Israelites who were afar off who couldn't come nearer, could not see the glory. Rather, they, could, they saw clouds, smoke. That smoke was actually thick smoke of darkness, which they saw from without. But the glory was within. When I mean the shining, that you have to take a journey of the mountain, praise the Lord, to go into the very presence of God. And when he translated that into the tabernacle in the wilderness, the same pattern emerged. But it wasn't until the veils were all raised up then the Shekinah glory, which is the abiding glory, came into the within. Are you getting what I'm saying? Praise God. But the realm, which is the most outermost realm of the tabernacle, they call it the realm of praise. Praise means it has to do with visibility. Am I speaking to somebody? Are you getting what I'm saying? Praise has to do with what? When you say, oh, the praise of a thing has been found in your heart. It means that that thing has been come visible to you. Without the visibility, you cannot have a praise for it. Am I, am I saying something? That you might be found unto praise, honor, and then what? Glory at the appearance of Jesus Christ. Amen. He made his world salvation, his gate praise. I will enter into his court with thanksgiving. And into his, his gate with thanksgiving, into his court with praise. So you see, praise has to do with the first visibility of the things of God. But glory hides. So what is glory? Glory is that which journey must be taken for it to appear or for it to what? be seen. So the first time Israel got the sight of God's glory was on the face of Moses. Because Moses had journeyed to where the glory was. He has moved beyond all the veils and the obstacle. He went in there and he came out. And even he had to then put a veil over his face because of the glory which he captured from the presence of God. Amen. Now, so when they are saying even to the praise of his glory, what they are saying is that even unto the season of the revelation of the glory 
of God upon men. Does that make any sense, please? I feel like I'm not getting through that much. Amen. Now, okay, Isaiah chapter 60. Arise and shine, for your light is come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. He said that Gentiles will come to your light. Praise the Lord. Sorry, who will come to the brightness of your rising? For the glory of the Lord will be upon you. And then, what he says, glory will be seen. Isaiah 60. His glory shall be what? Okay. And even kings, even to the brightness of your rising. Gentiles will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So, say Gentiles. And then kings. When it comes to glory of God, glory of God will never appear in the sky. All the wicked men will come out and, ah, God, you are here. Finally, we thought you didn't exist, but now you've shown yourself, okay, we'll follow you. No, it's not going to happen that way. There's only one way to make God's glory seen. By, by all. When he said that all the earth, the, the, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. It's not going to happen by glory appearing everybody is seen. No, it's not, that's not the only way. The only way to, that for God's glory to be seen is that men must bear the glory. In other words, creatures whose, whose, whose life, whose soul is invested in the present. Means that people who wear flesh must carry it. The only way for God's glory to be seen on the earth in such a way that anybody can see it is that men must trap it. Men who are wearing flesh must trap that glory. They will become glorious by their life, by their conversation, by their wisdom, by their work by their judgment, by their faith, by their love. Amen. Amen. So when that glory comes, when, when the glory begins to be visible, means when you get to the season of the praise of the glory, is a sign that the requirement and the work for, to bring the glory has been done within the soul. That's why they put the praise of his glory as an evidence that the destiny has been fulfilled, that what you have been predestinated to, you arrived there. Because when that praise of the glory has appeared, it means that the work for to bring the glory has been done. The way it was until they put the last work on the tabernacle, the the glory came. The glory doesn't come until the image has been raised. It's very simple. These are the lights of epistles. Paul said the same thing in Romans chapter 8, that you have been predestined to be conformed toward the image. Then the next verse, he then tied the image to the glory. Right? For those who, who were predestined, he called. Those who he called, he then justified. And those he justified, he then glorified. So, you mean the end of calling is to, of predestination is to get to what? To glory. Oh, 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So he said he has appointed for his glory to be upon the Son, right? Who he has appointed to be one with him. So that oneness with him, that's what the prayer of Jesus, that they will be one with us even as we are one. That oneness, we began to see that in um, life is, right? That that oneness is the fulfillment, is what needs to happen. So you see, that, that place of oneness is what we call the beloved. The, the, the realm of the beloved is a, is a realm of beings who resonate at a frequency that you can't find separation between them. It's, a, it's actually a fellowship. They are fellows. They, they, they share in a love. So when the love in you is the love in me, you don't find a gap. There is no love expression that doesn't meet its own mate. The love resonates at the same frequency. That's also the meaning of before him in love. It's the level of love. When men arises to a point where, where the love they have fulfilled all the judgments of God, the requirement which he has for being who he will share his fellowship with. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? <laughs> so this thing called the praise of his glory is also the, it's actually the praise of, his glo- of the glory of his grace because his grace, grace is the builder of image. Right? No image. When I, say, I mean spiritual image. It's men's strength. Oh, we can do it. Let's get it done. No, you can't build image. You will build something. After building the sin one, the devil will hijack it and use it. If not, you just build something for hell to use. No man can build anything that, that is useful to God, except he's building by the grace energy. That's like one of the best things you can learn as a young person, is learn grace. To me, that's one of the greatest lessons you can learn, because when you learn, when you learn grace, you won't miss it. When, because there will be a time, pressure, to produce results, do this, get this, everybody around you are doing things. If you have not learned the way of grace, the world will pressure you into finding another way. And, and the way you will begin to, so instead of using, you know, those are commodities in the spirit. Like sin is a commodity, right? Sin is actually the currency of the present, like I said before. What do men exchange? What do, what do men use to get things? It's sin. But, but you see, grace is the currency of the spirit. Grace is what? And then grace is more powerful than sin. That's why I love it. <laughs> That's what I, I, I discovered very early. God helped me to find out that grace is actually more powerful. When you, when you really weigh them. But sometimes we are not patient enough to even try grace. We are too hasty. Mm. Before, before grace come and carry you there, you, are, you can't wait. You want to go there quickly. And uh, that's one of the, one of a very bad thing for a heart to have is that feeling of wanting to go quickly because when you want to go, you discover that there are evil spirits who can help you get there. They say, it's not, good. it's not there you want to go. There's a way we can get there. In fact, we won't even need to do too much. There's already something called zeal. It's a fire. That zeal inside you. So we just need to fan it a little more and then just add some things to it and we can get you very, there very quickly. 
Praise God. But, but grace is a different kind of organism entirely. When a person is living by grace, they can be... They, they, you can see a person can be moving without their own strength being involved because something else is carrying them. They are riding on the waves of grace. Look, that's the most blessed life to live. Amen. Praise God. It's just that we don't, we don't wait enough. We, don't, we are too hasty about things. We fear. We give in to the conversation of fear. If you don't do it now, you'll miss it forever. That's the devil's language. To, to hasten you into iniquity. So he that believeth does not make haste. That is an attitude concerning the foundation. Right? Behold, I've laid in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone. Then a sure foundation. Praise the Lord. Say so that there is no other foundation that any man should lay except that which is already laid. See, that, that foundation, the stone upon which everything that counts must be built upon, is a, is a gracious stone, like was revealed in the book of Zechariah when he brought forth the headstone with shoutings of grace, grace to it. The, I mean, that stone was a, was a, was a what? It was a generator of grace. They're trying to build the house since nothing happened. When, when grace landed, what happened? Building began to occur. So there are different ways men can be built. A man can be built by sin or by grace. Someone who is built by sin can be an evangelist, a pastor, a deacon, a bishop, an archbishop. Uh, you, don't, you don't know sin. No. <laughs> we think that sin is always... Dirty, stinking, bad. Praise God. You don't know sin. Sin can take the scripture and teach it. Just, just have a little thing I want to share with you today. <laughs> and who is talking sin? He's anointed to talk. Praise God. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So if you, who, what do you want? You want to be a minister of the gospel? Sin can get you there. Sin will just ask you, okay, what do you want to be? You say, okay, I want to be the greatest preacher, the greatest. We can do that. We've made some men that. We can do that. I want to win the left axis of North America for Jesus. Sin will say, okay, no, no problem. That can easily be done. No we just need to let you know what to do and how to get there. Just give you the wisdom what things to do, at what time. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? See, don't play with sin. Sin is a currency. Sin can purchase. Can purchase things. What, what money cannot buy, sin can buy it for you. But the only problem is that there's something called the wages of sin. It's debt. The wages of sin is death. You can't use sin and not accept the wages. Yeah. It will come. It's just a matter of time. So every time a man is hasty, you have sown to the wind. It's just a matter of time. The Bible says he that sows to the wind. When it is complete, you will reap the whirlwind, which will come back. 
Someone can just be taking hasty steps day to day. You are just doing things. You forgot grace, forgot leading of the spirit, forgot everything. You're just doing, doing things, doing things. And you don't know that everything you do, you are measuring work. You're measuring. Sometimes it so can get so far. You get so cutting so far away from the mark. That's the danger of sin. When you prosper by sin, you are prospering away from God. Sin makes men prosper away from God. But I have a good news. This is not a a bad news message. (laughs) Praise God. But I have a good news. The good news is that where sin doth abound, grace did much more. Say much more. It's just that we don't like the way of the abundance of grace. It's different. It's that when, that when grace wants to abound, grace will now tell you, I can abound, no. I can abound. I can abound. I see that a lot of times when the Lord is trying to get me to do something. I see the shortcut. And, I, and then I see the long cut. Ah! You know, the, the long way doesn't, it's not sweet to that inward guy, that, that guy. Do you, do you know why that long thing is not usually sweet? It's because when they pen the gracious way to you, you know, say that they usually delete you in the, in the process. The, the grace has a way of making it sure that it's, it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. That language of Ephesians chapter 2. So by grace are you saved through faith. Not by work. Let any man should boast. Let any man should boast. The heaven is particular about that thing. But sin will guarantee you, when we finish this thing, when we walk this thing out, sin will, sin, will, sin will guarantee you a boast. That you won't only get there, you will get there with a boast. That by the time you finish, when it's time to write the book of how you did it. But when God, God wants to do his own, his own is different. He want, they want to actually remove you. They don't want you to be seen. Yeah. But you know, that not wanting you to be seen is a safety. Yeah. Yeah. They want to make you so much hidden. When you are a gracious lady, a gracious man, grace, grace hides you in God. For, for every gracious move you make, you move deeper into God. You begin to, after a while, you almost disappear from the vicinity. A sign of gracious men is they carry impressions of God. When they're around you, you don't feel them, you feel God. <laughs> Guys who sin raised, when they're around you, you know, oh, he's here. You can detect his presence around. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be the guy, the guy that they say when you come, they say, ah, he has come home? Or do you want the guy that be the, the, the person when he has come, they say, God has come? That's sometimes, that's the bad game we don't like. Ah, me. There's some of us that will say, oh, Pastor, this thing, I don't have this problem. These are for those ambitious people, me. This message doesn't touch me. This is not my, this is not my um, 
This is not my kind of message. I mean, my problems are different. I have no ambition in this life. If I, if I'm nothing, I die nothing. I'm okay. I don't have ambition. It's a lie. You have ambition. The way that we know whether you have ambition is we just check how much are you allowing God? Mm. How much are you allowing God? I'm sorry. This message has come to a place that I'm not sure, I didn't see it coming here. Praise God. But um, they want to. Are you ready to love God? <laughs> this is. This is what is making all this. This was bringing all these things. <laughs> when we said that God should teach us His love, this is what they are talking about. So it means that God's love is how you can end. Yeah. Um, so what, if there's a way that it can, can it happen that we can just be side by side, you know? But God said, "No, I must absorb you. I must. You must, must be okay with not being there. Be, be, be hidden, like how the Son of God was so hidden." Inside him. See, no man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father. See that bosom place? You've got, there's nothing that can attract Jesus out of the bosom. Satan said, Jesus, I want to give you the world, everything. Jesus was thinking bosom. Jesus was comparing bosom and all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Kai. When you look at that bosom, ah, this thing had nothing. The, the glories of the world are the things that you will wear and you will know that you are naked. But the thing with that glory of the world is that when that nakedness comes is in one day, you feel that ah, everything, you feel covered and clothed in one day, like it will happen to Satan. And they say, how are thou falling from heaven? Hmm? Lucifer, son of the morning. All the guys that he has dealt with, they begin to, they say they will not really look at him with shame. Are you have become like one of us? One day they will ask Satan that question. See, see Satan, who is terrorizing the world, he who does weaken the nations. One day he will also land there with all the guys who he weakened. They say, ah, oh God. You know, guys that he gave power on the earth, guys who he gave thrones. Who he gave glories, who he gave dominion, all those things he promised to Jesus. Guys who he gave those things. They will look at him, ah, you are here with us. So. Where is all the glory? In one day. In one day. So do not build your, do not, do not sow your life into vanity. Jesus was advising the house you should build. Don't be like a man that builds his house upon the sand. But build a house upon a rock. Build what? Your house upon what? Now who is he that builds a house on the rock? He that hears the saying of mine and doeth them. That's the man. Are we blessed today? Let's quickly read this thing. It says in whom, verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the Riches of what? So it's very clear. Redemption is according to the riches of grace. How much redemption the person has is how much riches of grace they have. Because what is redemption? Redemption is the countermeasure against sin. 
Redemption is that Jesus redeemed me on the cross of Calvary and everything's gone. No, that's not redemption. Redemption is actually a, is a progressive operation. Where they are, what are they doing in redemption? They are removing your sins from you. All the sin that you have accumulated by virtue of transactions on the earth, outside of the grace of God, when they open the season of redemption to you, by you redeem with light, by teaching, by illumination. When, ah, whoa, I didn't know that this thing was a problem. Okay, God, I'm no longer going this way anymore. I won't do this anymore. I won't go after this anymore. Redemption is taking place. That's how redemption happens. Through the entrance of, of illumination. Praise the Lord. So the, the redemption through his blood is the forgiveness of sin. Now what forgive means the remission. The removal of sin. Through the blood, he removes sin. Amen. And that removal of sin is, say, according to the riches of his grace. So if you want plenty redemption, look for plenty of grace. The more gracious a soul is, the less sinful he is. When a soul is not gracious, he's light like a feather. Any wind can move him. All it takes, what's the next happening trend? He's gone. You can't see him anymore. Just give me a little sense. What of the expectations of men? How do men see you? He's gone. Grace is the weight of God in men. Grace makes a man grave and weighty. Winds can blow. After winds has carried nation, the man is still standing. The God now said, okay, in the last day we will make a man like a shelter from the wind. That that man will be so strong that all that people will come around him and hide. Because when winds are blowing, he is not moving. Why? Because he's a gracious stature. It has been built and framed up by the grace of God to withstand all the, way, the winds and the, the wires of the devil. How many of us like to be like, like that? Amen. He said, wherein he has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery. Say mystery. Everybody say his will is a mystery. Say his will is a mystery. It means it does not occur to men naturally. According to the good pleasure which he had proposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things that are in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. Praise God. In whom we also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Praise God. So all this convoluted grammar is saying, is saying to us that God does not do anything outside his mystery. He first told us that the mystery is a, the will is a mystery. When something is a mystery, it's not plain. Everybody will be there and they are seeing it. Now, listen to me. When you say the word mystery, you have to understand what mystery means. Mystery doesn't mean that when everybody comes, there's nothing there. 
That's why when you see the word mystery, you have to stop and really think about anything they say is a mystery. You have to be careful about it. A mystery means, doesn't mean it's vacant. It doesn't say completely invisible. If it's completely invisible, it's not a mystery. A mystery is that it's there, but when you give it to somebody, they feel they can know it. But when they try to know it, they actually cannot know it. It is actually elusive. It is mysterious. Because it's mysterious to anybody who doesn't have the equipment to demystify that thing. So the will of God is mysterious. And one thing about the will is that it almost has a cloak of being obvious. That's why men summarize the will of God. It's not just to go to heaven, be, be a nice person and go to heaven. That's the, the mystery is working on you. It's a, it's a mystery, it's a mystery, it's a mystery, amen. The mystery of his will, praise God. But that mystery is according to a good pleasure which God had proposed where? In himself. Now what is that good pleasure? Is so that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, when, when times have been fulfilled, right? The sign that times, what was, what was the purpose of time? The purpose of time is for the accomplishing of the will of God. That's what time is for. God just, he, he conceived the will and then he opened up time. Okay, let's create time for this will to be done. That's just all. Time is for. is the period God has given for his will to be fulfilled. Amen. So it says the fullness of the dispensation of times when, you know, God dispenses times. And when time, that fullness has come, the way you know it is that everything that is in Christ, so you see why Christ is the pattern, is the pattern. Christ is the pattern inheritor, right, for man. That we use this man to measure is the yardstick. So how you measure if everything that God has for man has been received is check whether everything that Christ received is in a man. That's why Christ. Christ was, came out from God. He's the Christ of God. To bring forth the, almost, it's not, I won't say plain, but to bring forth a visible yardstick or a measurement of the attainment for man. Praise God. So in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are where in heaven and then which are where on earth, because Christ actually was an embodiment of, of things, things that are where both in heaven and things that are where and things on earth even where in him, in whom also we have in, at, obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the word, counsel of his own will. What is this purpose which he has predestinated? There's a colon there, if you have King James like me, is verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted. So that word first trusted is those who had begun the journey, who has first trusted in Christ. The destination is to do what? Be to the word praise of his glory. In whom we also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, 
in whom also after that ye believe, ye were sealed with that, what? Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, which is the, the pledge or the down payment, until the redemption of the word, purchased possession unto the word, the praise of his glory. Are you seeing that? So showing you again the end of redemption is the praise of what is glory. Amen. Now, let's quickly move to Colossians. I'm so sorry. I felt I was, I'm a bit slow today. Um, praise God. But I, I think it's not bad that we went through that chapter a bit. Amen. Now, in Colossians, um, I think Paul was using the same kind of spirit with which he wrote Ephesians chapter 1. In this gospel, thank you, Father. Verse 9. For this cause, we also, since, we, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and then what? Spiritual. Now, why do you need all wisdom and spiritual understanding in order for you to be filled with the knowledge of his will? Because his will is a mystery. Right. So, the, and the purpose of being filled with the knowledge is that you should walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing where? In the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us fit. That word, made us meet, means to meet it, meet up with it, to be fit, who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of who the saints were. The inheritance of the saints in light. Who are delivered us from the power of darkness and are translated us into the kingdom. Now, one translation translated their son. It said it's the son of his love. Dear son. Say dear son. Dear Why did they put the word dear son? Shouldn't we just assume that he loves his son? So that word dear son is talking about the son. The, the word kingdom of his dear son means the dominion of his love. That was the, the tongue that she had. It was an interpretation that she was giving. Praise the Lord. That this inheritance is for the son who what has what? Who has become one with him. They will put what? The glory upon them. Amen. Now, you see that inheritance, inheriting that glory, what will make up for that glory is, is always the prerequisite is that you must come into the, the same dominion that this dear son. Now, this word 
dear son. Say, dear son. Is the same, I believe, is the same thing God was saying, or same kind of thing he was saying when he repeatedly said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Is my, not just, is my beloved. So the Lord was also, he was amplifying what is it about this relationship with my son that is so precious? What is the, what is the most qualitative aspect of my relationship? It's the love which we share. See, that, that's, that was a secret. I believe all the years that John was resting on Jesus' chest, he said, the, the apostle whom he loved. That one was John. He was very close to Jesus. There's something they did in the depths of John, Apostle John, too. He made him highly sensitive to love, love attitude, and love conversation. And, and they did that for him. And they, gave him, they called him John the Beloved. John, John's soul was... was was crafted by the Spirit to pick the frequency of the love conversation that Jesus had with the Father. And it's possible that even after Jesus passed and he went to glory, it's possible that the Holy Ghost was still... You see that thing you saw Jesus, that attitude of Jesus on that day when he was you know, communing with his Father and when he was talking this way and all of that. It's because of this actual thing. There's actually a light concerning those kind of conversation and that kind of thing. That you, you witness with Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, so John had an insight into the beloved. Into the realm of the beloved. Into the, the world of the beloved. That, see, that realm is closed. Don't assume you know it. Amen. Don't assume. See, don't assume you know what it means. That when you say, oh, I'm a child of God and I love God. No, no. Don't assume you know what lovers of God do. Don't assume that you know what, how lovers of God are with God. You don't know that thing. When Jesus was saying that the son, the father loved the son, he showed him the things which he himself doeth. The father loved the son. And he showed him the things which he, it means he doesn't know everybody. Now from the outside, it's not just to pray every morning. He goes to the mountain, he prays, he comes back. Are you getting what Jesus was doing now? When it comes to the physical works of Jesus, right from when he became 30, around that time he got baptized, then he called his disciples. The way he was with them, Jesus almost never left them. They were constantly with him. I mean the 12. So he didn't have a separate house. They were just with him. So if he came to just observing him naturally, or say at... At 6 a.m., he woke up. Then he went to the mountain, he prayed three hours. He came back. Then we went to visit that person, and he ate breakfast there. And then after that, he had to go and preach in that little town around Galilee. We followed him there on the road. We ate some corn on the way. And then <laughs> after preaching, then this and this. Are you getting what I'm saying? That you, can archive, you can archive those things about Jesus. That's why some of us that we say we want to go back to that time. It's possible we might go back and not see anything. And even when you see him, he might be getting you angry. What's wrong with this man? Why is he like this? Can't you be like everybody else? I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So you see that thing called, he showed, if the, the father loved the son, and he showed him, he showed him. Say, show it, show it, show it, show it. Show it. That is the greatest expression of love. He showed it. When you see 
when you see real love in manifestation, it is the granting of privilege to the secret, what is within. So when you see the testimony, this thing they call commandment, testimony is actually a secret document that is sealed with blood. This, the New Testament is a secret document that is sealed with blood. For anybody to access that testament, you must have made covenant. It's actually a blood covenant. It's actually the laying down of your life. Your life must be on the table. The, the, the testament is on the other side. Your, your life must be down. They must really check it and examine it. Okay, this thing you brought, is this really, really your life? Because some guys brought something to God that is not really their life. They buried their life in a farm in their grandfather's side. And then they brought something else and said, God, this is what we bring. We are bringing to you. But heaven, they know how to check. Amen. They know how to check whether what you are bringing to them is your life. Now, and that's the, that's the thing without the ac- granting access to this fellowship. Is by you purchase with your life. Your life, your own life. You must lay down your own life. We say, but what do you mean? Didn't Jesus die for all of us so we won't have to die? <laughs> that is not, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> Amen. Should yes. I tell you the real honest truth? Let me tell you the honest truth. The reason why Jesus did die is not so you will not die. Jesus died so that you will know how to die. Yes. That's just the simple he just came to teach you how to die. Jesus suffered so you can know how to suffer. Yeah. I read a song, someone sang, I will never suffer, Jesus <laughs> suffered for me. Imagine the joy of that song. <laughs> and most likely the guy who is singing that song is suffering. In fact, it's his suffering that's making him sing that song. Jesus suffered so you can, you can learn. Come and learn. Let me teach you how to suffer. Let me, let me show you the suffering that our God is worthy of. The, the, how what a man should suffer. Then when Jesus now came and he jammed Paul. You know Paul had been suffering, guys. <laughs> Paul had been suffering Christians, the chief persecutor. You know, Paul had wisdom of persecution. That is, that is his position for you to have such a criteria, such a, such a, what do you call it, a reputation that when Christians hear your name, wow. amen. If you are, let's say you are a Christian at that time, when Peter is preaching or someone is preaching and then it's taking too long. You want service to end right now, at this moment. Just say, Paul is coming. (laughs) 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 What will happen when you say, Paul? Oh, eh? That was his reputation. Strong guy. Maybe that's why, who knows, if, maybe that's even why it is. Maybe because Paul said, this is guy, something about suffering, okay. When Jesus met him, 
in the book of Acts. One thing that Jesus told him, he said, I will show you many things which you must suffer for my name. I'm just, I'm just coming to reveal it to you. For, 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 because God had to get someone like Paul. Because somebody who has done so much harm that if you know him, Paul said, I am who I'm the lower than the least of all of you because constantly he feels, he knows what he has done. Paul knows how many guys he has beheaded. He knows what he has done to Christians. So Jesus had to look for somebody because to carry this gospel, you can't carry this gospel without the suffering. The suffering is the strap they use to be tied to you. They strap it to you. So they have to find a Paul. Who is the man that can feel the most indebted to me? To suffer the way I, you need to model the pattern of suffering. You know, you know it's called Paul was the guy that when he's, he's suffering in prison, he writes letter of encouragement. I'm just writing to encourage you. You know, I'm writing from my bonds and from my chains and all that. <laughs> yes, amen. All kinds of things happen to him. You know, you know, there are evil spirits more wicked than Paul when it comes to suffering men. I'm sure heaven allowed them to unleash, just unleash them on him. No problem. How many times did you suffer shipwreck? <laughs> see suffering. And then Paul told you that you see this suffering. <laughs> Paul, you know it's not an easy revelation to get that. That's one revelation I respect the most out of Paul's revelation. The skill to link suffering and glory. It's not. Let's say they left all of us to go and discover it. It will never, it will never occur to you that the way to glory is to suffer. Thank you. Say suffer. Is anybody afraid of suffering here? <laughs> I'm sorry for the question. I apologize for asking. Amen. Okay, let's talk about say suffering. Uh-huh. Don't, see, don't be afraid too much. <laughs> um, amen. Suffering. If you suffer with him, you will be glorified with him. You will be glorified. Now, the word suffer is not really that God takes delight in making you cry or something. Some of us feel that way. God, don't you see how I love this guy? Why, why isn't there any 
Why isn't there anything in your heart that can allow me just love him? Amen. Praise God. And then you can feel like maybe God just is just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> like he takes delight in you uh, suffering. No, no, no. See, the word suffer means to allow. That is actually so when, when God sees suffering, he sees it totally different in a different way. Now in heaven they celebrate suffering. Because Jesus did not say, I will show you many things which you must suffer pointlessly. No. He said, I will show you many things which you must suffer for my name. That's the aspect of suffering. He said, your light affliction, which is but for a moment, that it shall work out for you a more exceeding and eternal weight of what? Of glory. Praise the Lord. So the word suffer, when Jesus Christ went to, the, um, to be baptized, he said, John went in to refuse. He said, suffer it to be so for now, so as to fulfill all righteousness. That was suffer means allow it. Can you suffer it to be so? So to suffer is to not, what you are suffering is what you want to do. You must suffer what you want to do to go, to allow what he wants to occur to happen. That's the whole point of suffering. The reason why suffering is painful and involves crying is because it's not because of God is wicked. It's because of you tend to want things that are not good. You tend to want what? Things. So God must find a way to train you, make you strong and sold to allowing what he wants to occur in your life. The kind of work that suffering does, when I say suffer, so, so, so it's very clear, suffering pointlessly it does, it cannot produce this. Right? I mean, maybe suffering because of your own foolishness, your own things that you know. No. That you, you can't suffer, you can't create your own suffering by yourself. Say, ah, we are just suffering for the cause of Christ. When you've done something silly, no, that's not suffering. We're talking about suffering that is because of allow, die, your will dying and the will of God. Mm-hmm. That's real suffering. That is the kind of suffering that what produces glory. Praise the Lord. So we are talking about the, that life that must be on the table, right, for you to gain access into this thing called the what? Beloved, for you to enter into the beloved, or this place where he calls this realm is the realm of his dear son. He calls it the kingdom of his dear son. It's not just the kingdom of Christ. He's talking about the kingdom of what his dear son, or the kingdom of the son of his of his love. He's gaining access into the fellowship of what of the beloved. The veil that covers the realm before God is a veil that only opens to people who are gaining 
acceptance into the beloved. People who are purchasing by the willingness to transact their life, to let their life go, they are gaining what? Access, praise the Lord, into the realm behind the veil, the realm in the very, very what? Presence of God. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Amen. We're rounding up now. Praise God. In, let's just, okay, let's read 1 John chapter 1. I don't think we can go back to 1 John 2 anymore. Let's just read chapter 1 and, and then just close, close with, that, with that thing that John says about the, the fellowship, the, the, the realm of fellowship with the Father and the Son. Praise God. 1 John chapter 1. It says that that which was from the beginning, are you seeing that? Which we have heard. So now ask me, what is that which is from the beginning? It's the same commandment, right? Which is from the beginning still. Praise the Lord. But it's now new. Praise God. It's now, it has to, it's new because the season of light brings in a newness of hearing as well. A newness of comprehension. Amen. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of what? Life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested to us. Amen. Now, I've said it, I think, before many times, that this us, us here is not talking of everybody. It's them, John, and who he's talking about. <laughs> Praise God. It doesn't even include everybody he was writing to. He's, he's talking about those who have entered this thing. So those who have, who the life was manifested to, who have seen it, and then those are the ones who now bear witness. So it's very clear that they are not all, all of us, and who are we bearing witness to if we are all here? So he's talking of those who have accessed it, who are bearing witness of something. So he says, the life was manifested. We have seen it, and then we bear witness, and then show unto you. So you can add yourself maybe in the you side, because we are reading it here. <laughs> so we are the ones that are receiving it. So, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested to us. It was with the Father. These guys came to great privilege. Great, I, I am jealous. And I want to have jealousy to come. This is something that was with the Father. Then he manifested it to us. Amen. More and more I'm seeing the exalted nature of this, this vocation. Of this pursuit. The more you engage in it, you begin to see that this is a this is a high thing that we are being called into. Amen. So that that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his what? With his Son, Jesus Christ. So this fellowship, fellowship with the Father and the Son, is, this is actually the, this, this realm of the beloved that you're speaking about. Now, 
So you see now access to this realm. It's actually, it must be granted to you. So the purpose of this episode is guys who have obtained it say so we have to come and be a witness about it. Because of this thing, the desire of God to extend this fellowship to you, because of that, that which we have seen and heard, we are declaring unto you. And the purpose is that you may have fellowship. So what is he declaring? The declaration is the giving of light. It's the light that you need to have to access it. Verse 5, sorry, verse 4. These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This thing then is the message. This is the message that we have heard of him and declare to you that God is light and is in him is no what. Then he now began to unpack. Okay, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Because if you have fellowship with him, that's what he's the one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from what? All sin. Amen. And he continues the conversation into chapter 2. Praise God. Um, I, I perceive this is the time of the, the, this light, the light of this fellowship, of this fellowship of this love of God. This season, it's beginning to dawn in our heart. The Lord is bringing it. How many of you are ready for such light to come? So if we want to love in this dimension, we must receive the light, amen, of this kind of love. And so shall it be unto us. Just begin to talk to God and um, just begin to ask for mercy and ask for grace. This is the manifestation of the good counsel of, of his will. Let's pray that that counsel will continue to manifest even more to us that whatever it takes to buy into this conversation, the, covenant, the attitude of the agreement that heaven needs to help us to make that we will not hold back that our soul will begin to find the grace that we need to have I will expose our heart to the ministry that will cause darkness to pass away that will cause the light of God to shine bright within our heart, that will illuminate the commandment of love. That two-sided commandment, the love of God, loving God, loving the brethren, that from today, grace, strength to no longer walk in darkness. To no longer be comfortable in darkness. That 
there will begin to be an abhorrence of darkness and ignorance concerning these things from the depth of our soul. That we will do everything we need to do to come into the dispensation of light. This dispensation where there will be a, an inward exposition of the love of God. Access into the secret love commandment. The same way Jesus loved the Father. The way he loved righteousness. The same path of love that took him to the throne, that set him upon it. The same thing that binds him and his Father. That all the mercy of heaven that needs to prevail over your life, over my life, over our lives, to break into this conversation by mercy, to come into this place, that we will no longer be satisfied with a life that falls below this standard. And will aspire to the highest standard. That we should be holy, blameless, and we should be able to stand before him in love. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our Father, we thank you today. Thank you for so much help today through the scriptures to, to gain conviction concerning your this holy intent to share this beautiful love with us. Lord, my prayer this morning is that no heart will fall short of it. No heart will fall short of the will, the desire, the appetite to ascend and to prosper into this realm. I ask, oh God, that Holy Ghost, you will take this word, make it a tool, powerful tool within our soul, the seeds of this word, that these seeds will go deep into the recesses of our heart, will be sown in there and begin to germinate. And Lord, we pray, oh God, that all of the lights and the illumination that must come in this season to bring forth access into this fellowship, that every single one of us will not fall short of it, that we will abound in it, will prosper in it. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your holy name. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth.